Hey everybody, it's Andrew Emerson with Calvary Tabernacle. Hey, so glad you could join us today for our second episode of our podcast from Calvary Tabernacle. I am Andrew Emerson, your host, and I am just the host of this podcast. Our pastor is the main voice that you'll be hearing every week. Our pastor is Pastor Carl Vickery of Calvary Tabernacle. We have two campuses, one in Beaumont and one in Winnie, one church, one body of Christ, and a powerful, powerful church that God is building in the Southeast Texas area. So glad you've joined us for this episode. Wherever you are today listening, we want you to have a blessed day in Jesus' name. Today I want to bring you a sermon audio entitled, A Twisted Tree. Before we get into that, I want to tell you about what's coming to the podcast. We are planning a special session with me and my pastor sitting on the couch, and I just want to interview him and ask him questions to help you in your leadership and in your ministry. And he's going to answer questions. He's going to talk about leadership, talk about ministry. And I know that is going to bless you because he has a ton to offer in those fields. So go ahead and hit subscribe. You do not want to miss the episodes that are coming. And today our message is called A Twisted Tree. And I call it a message on purpose because this was more than a sermon. This was more than notes prepared. But this was truthfully a message from God. And our pastor ministered in such a powerful and astounding way a couple of Thursdays ago in our Winnie campus. And this message today is going to challenge you to get a hold of God's vision for your life. And that sounds simplistic. Sometimes we can just kind of say, okay, I've got a hold of God's vision. But truthfully, to get a hold of God's vision, sometimes that can be kind of foggy. We may not understand everything that God is doing. But this message re-encourages us to keep the faith, to stay on board, to not give up and get a hold of God's vision for your life. It may be twisted at times, but stay the course in Jesus' name. I want to bring to you Pastor Carl Vickery preaching a message, A Twisted Tree. God bless you today. I'm going to begin reading at verse number one. And uh, appreciate our praise team. Thank them. I mean that. I appreciate our ensemble and those that are coming to practice and getting better and I can tell. Anybody else can tell? Isn't it awesome? I mean that. Just fantastic. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, I'm going to just keep everybody in tonight if you haven't figured that out. And, uh, these guys are smart. Boy, they just backed on up and said, we're sitting here. We got it. We, we, we know the drill. Amen. <laughs> but I, I, I really do feel like I, I want to share something with you that I, it's just burning in me a little bit tonight. And I, I feel like tonight is the night for it. And so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, amen. And it, uh, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of 
of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. Somebody say times past. In other words, not now, but in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace, are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them amen the whole pretense of this is God saved you to become like Him. No matter how you were in times past, God didn't care where you were at then, didn't matter what you did then, but now God has saved you so that you might become more like Him. He didn't save you because you were good. He saved you that you might become like Him. He didn't save you because you did good works in times past. He saved you because He knew what you could do going forward. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to talk to you tonight. And I'm just going to title this A Twisted tree that sounds like a good title God I love you I ask you to help us tonight let the word of God go forth I pray give us revelation give us understanding help us tonight God let our eyes be open let our spirit be willing bring us to repentance tonight a true repentance that changes our lives that changes who we are that causes us, no matter where we're at, to want to become more like you. Help us to leave better when we leave than the way we were when we came. In the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated if you'd like. Uh, I promise you, I feel like, I may not, I better not promise. I feel like my title will make sense in a minute. But Ephesians chapter 2, the verses we read, speaks of our humanity being dead in trespasses and God's rich mercy that has brought us back to life 
together with Christ. Somebody say his mercy. I need you to understand this tonight because I, I want you to realize what we can be. And, I, and I'm going to do my best to bring this out because this isn't polished tonight. I, I felt this in prayer this morning and have wrestled with it all day. And so if you'll just bear with me, I feel like God wants to speak to this church in just a moment. It's not, if you will, because we had it all together. It says we've been raised up together and made to sit in heavenly places because of the grace and the mercy of God. It is not of us, but rather it is a gift of God. Does anybody still believe uh, that you're here because of God? Uh, that you should not have made it here. Uh, you should not have survived. Uh, you should have OD'd uh, a long time ago. Uh, that car should have hit you. Uh, that fall should have killed you. Uh, that the oppression should have took you out. Uh, but by the grace uh, and the gift of God, uh, you made it to the house of God. Uh, he didn't care what you looked like. Uh, he didn't care how he found you. Uh, but he brought you back out of the dead that was going to destroy you and said I want you to become more like me I didn't pick you because you were handsome I didn't pick you because you had it all together I picked you because I knew what you could do not because of what you've done not because of who you are but because you who you can be this is what it means when it says we are the workmanship of his hands. In other words, uh, whatever God has us to do, uh, he's already put it in you. Uh, in other words, you may say, well, I, I can't do that. God says, yes, you can. Uh, you may decide, well, I don't know if I can accomplish that. The Spirit of God says, no, uh, I, I know you can. Why? Because I know you uh, better than you know yourself. Uh, I've seen you when you couldn't see yourself. Uh, I know what you can do because I have equipped you. I want you to look at something and, and I'll hurry. You cannot take credit for what you are. See, I, I've learned this at 40, thank God. I, I was tired of going through this lesson. But I realize in my life, uh, God can turn the water off tomorrow, so to speak. I, I, one phone call can totally bring travesty uh, to my life. Uh, I, I got a text early this morning, maybe maybe a little later this morning, not super early, but you know what I mean. And, and, and Sister Debbie's niece uh, was being rushed to the hospital uh, with three brain bleeds uh, on the brain. Uh, one situation uh, can turn your... You may think, well, I know what I'm doing uh, and I got it all together uh, and it's because I'm so talented uh, and it's because I'm so smart uh, and, I, and I help you out. There's people smarter than me in prison uh, there's people smarter than me uh, that are shooting heroin up their veins uh, there's people smarter than me uh, that are snorting cocaine up their nose uh, it's not because I'm anything uh, it's because thanks to the mercy uh, and the grace of God uh, it's not because I've got it all together it's because he saved me See, pride sets in. Uh, well, it's because I put in hard work. Uh, and I tell you, uh, I, 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 this really happened. Uh, when I was a seventh grader, I went to, out for football. And you had to get a physical back then. I don't know if they still do that. But you had to get a full physical. Huh? And, and part of the physical was you bend over, touch your toes. Uh, and the doctor puts a thing on your back. Uh, and he traces out your spine. Uh, and he looked at me. He said, we need to x-ray this. Uh, I said, what's going on? He said, well, your spine is crooked. Uh, and I said, I didn't have any idea. I said, no. Uh, what do you mean? He 
Jesus. He said, your spine, they x-rayed it, sent me an x-ray. My spine was at a 34 degree angle. Honest to God. 34 degree angle and, and, and bending. He said, son, uh, we need to operate uh, and then you'll have to wear a brace. Uh, but I think we caught it early enough uh, that if we do it right now, I think we can give you a pretty decent life. Uh, I said, no, I don't want to have surgery. He looked at my mom. He said, Miss Vickery, uh, if he doesn't have surgery, uh, he probably will not be able to walk uh, across the platform uh, to get his high school diploma. I'm telling, I said, I don't want to have surgery. He said, I'm telling you, son, they will wheel you in a wheelchair. Understand, to get your diploma if we don't have surgery. You realize, I said, God, let me have some time. I said, Doc, let me have some time to pray about it. I began to cry and seek the face of God. It wasn't because I had it all together, but I went back a month later and the doctor said, I don't understand. I said, what's up? He said, it was at a 34, but now it's at a 17. He said, that's impossible. I don't know what happened. I said, let me spend some more time in prayer. And so I went back and I began to seek the face of God. I got anointed. I got prayer cloths. I did it all. I wasn't ashamed. I needed healing. I didn't want to have surgery. And I went back another month and he looked at it. He said, he shook his head. He said, I don't understand this. I said, what's going on? He said, son, your back is straighter than mine. He said, I don't understand. It was at a 34 and getting worse. But now it's at a three. He said, and mine's at a six or a seven. Everybody has a little bend to their back. He said, anything under seven is acceptable. He said, mine's probably six or seven. He'd hear you sit at a three. And I've never had a surgery. And I understand, I've never, I understand, I have one knife or laser or spine or brace or anything. And I, it didn't mean much to nobody else. But the day I graduated high school, I walked across that platform and they said, you graduated. I said, you have no idea. But one morning, I told this story the night before. The next morning, I'm laying in bed and my normal routine is to get up and spend some devotion and time with God and I went to do that. Honest truth. I'm laying in bed and I throw the covers over me. I don't know how you get out of bed, but that's the first thing I do. I throw the covers over me and I went to set up and I couldn't set up. Now we're talking about this a few years ago. And I went to get out of the bed and I couldn't get out of the bed. I went to raise my legs up and I couldn't move my legs. And I don't mind telling you, every report that doctor said, I told you, devil sat in my bedroom that morning and said, oh, here it is. I finally got you. God didn't heal you. You just thought you was healed. Because I told that testimony in service the night before. And now here's Monday morning and I can't even get out of bed. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, God, oh, fear begin to set in. And faith, but I couldn't find it right then. Huh? And I begin to say, oh God, what's going to happen? I can't even get out of bed, let alone walk. Huh? And honest to goodness, huh? I, I, I said, what am I going to do? Huh? And something hit me huh? and said, God healed you then huh? and you're still healed. Huh? Don't receive huh? what you're hearing now. Huh? And I begin to say, in the name of Jesus, huh? the same God huh? that touched me at a seventh grader huh? is still able now. <laughs> Understand, 
But I realized something. Right, let me finish that so you won't think. Uh, in about five minutes, uh, I swung my feet over the bed uh, and I said in the name of Jesus uh, and I stood up uh, and you can think whatever you want. Uh, but the door of my bedroom slammed shut uh, and I said, devil, just stay out of here. Uh, I know I sound crazy. Uh, I'm telling you what happened. Uh, the door slammed shut uh, and I said in the name of Jesus, uh, don't come back. Uh, God has healed me. Uh, I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't go see what's wrong. I got up and started my day, started my devotion, and I said, God, I get the message. Any day, my life can be over. Any moment, all the stuff that I thought I did can be finished. Why? Because I'm here by the grace of God. You realize one person ran a stop sign, and my dad at 52's life stopped. Because an 18-year-old girl high on marijuana ran a stop sign. And you think you got what it takes? I'm not being mean. Oh, he was a good, he was on his way to church. As a matter of fact, it's Wednesday night about 6.30. They were headed to church on 321. And one 18-year-old girl ran a stop sign and they never made it. They, he died on the side of the road. They life flighted him to Memorial Hermon, brought him back on the life flight. And 12 years later, he can't speak. He can't eat. He suffers a brain injury that he is totally immobilized to where he can't even go to the restroom by himself. He can't get out of bed by himself. And I tell you, and you think you're something special and I tell you God we are here by his grace we are here by his mercy and God can turn the water off anytime that he wants why do you say that pastor because it's my job to bring glory to God to never think I'm here on my own accord to never think I'm here because I got it together to never I wouldn't even be here except God found me on the backside of a desert and said come on I'll make you something when you was nothing I'll let you do something when you don't know how to do nothing I'm gonna I'm gonna tell off of myself a little bit I hope y'all can take it when God called me to preach I didn't know how to preach still working on it when God called me to pastor I didn't know how to pastor I was 28 years old. I walked into 35 people looking at a cow like a cow looking at a new gate. And I'll never forget, I had a couple of elders say, Oh dear God, what is a 28-year-old going to tell me? Oh, and I was wondering, what is a 28-year-old going to tell them? I don't mind telling you, I didn't know what I was doing. But let me help you out. Moses did not have a plan of how they would cross the Red Sea. Can you imagine this? Regardless of his education, his gifts, or even his connection with with Pharaoh, uh, the Bible simply says this, uh, they walked through the flood uh, on foot. Uh, in other words, the apostles found themselves uh, in a similar position uh, when Jesus commanded them uh, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. They didn't know how exactly uh, they were going to do it. Uh, you imagine Moses, God said, Moses, stretch your rod. Okay, God, uh, uh, how are we going to get across here? Just stretch your rod. I don't know how we're going to get across. Just stretch your rod. Uh, how are we going to get across on foot? Uh, Moses didn't have have it planned out. Uh, he didn't have all the answers. Uh, Jesus looked at 12 men and said, go you into all the world uh, and preach the gospel. Peter was a fisherman. Uh, he didn't know how to preach, uh, understand, but he just got uh, and started going. Uh, and he and listen, they didn't know exactly where they were going, how they were going to do it. Uh, could it be uh, that we 2,000 years later are also not as smart uh, as we often think we are? Not being ugly, 
But could it be that you really don't have it figured out like you think you've got it figured out? Are we more dependent on the Spirit and the anointing of God than what some of us actually realize? I got people all the time, Pastor, how you preach like that? I don't know. Pastor, where'd you get that thought from? It just kind of came to me. Uh, I remember reading it, but I, I, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I, I didn't think and say, oh, I'm going to think on this. This is going to be an awesome. No, can I help you out? Uh, could it be that we as a church uh, have not realized uh, that if we're really going to make it, uh, if we're going to reach this city, uh, all the programs are good, uh, but maybe we need to get back uh, to saying I need the spirit uh, and the anointing of God. Uh, maybe my job don't understand it. Uh, maybe my coworkers can't understand it. Uh, but God help me to be dependent upon the Spirit of God. God help me to say I need Him. Can y'all imagine, and I don't know, somebody texted me today, can y'all imagine this? And here's a guy, now you gotta realize, I don't know nothing. I love people call me all the time, Pastor, what program are you using to grow that church? Oh, what are you doing over there to make this Matter of fact, somebody called my wife, they said, we don't wanna call Brother Vickery because we don't wanna bother him. And I appreciate that, I really do. They said, but can we ask you something? And they said, she said, sure. She said, do you mind, honest God, this happened. She said, do you mind if we brought our leadership team down for a meeting we want to figure out how he does it my wife said I'm sure he wouldn't mind we have a focus session coming up with all the leaders if you want to bring your leaders and my wife said you got, think you got something that you may could give them I said no I don't have nothing but Jesus I don't know I mean, I'm not being ugly I don't have any fancy book I don't have any fancy program but could it be that we are dependent you want to know what grows a church God does you you want to know what changes a life? The Spirit of God. You want to know what heals the sick? The anointing of God. You want to know what blesses? I'm tired of looking for the next program. If we spend as much time looking for Jesus as we did the next program or the next Facebook post or the next encouraging word, what if we got a hold of Jesus and said, God, I'll encourage somebody else. I don't need somebody to encourage me. God will send me and I'll encourage them. I mean could you imagine if you started caring more about what God said uh, than what your boss said uh, could you, oh boy y'all gonna I know it sounds crazy because see to the world everything we do is crazy you clap for a pig pen going 100 yards uh, hey you're good uh, you clap for Jehovah Jireh oh what is that you clap because uh, the uh, saints win the Super Bowl uh, and everybody's your friend. Uh, you run and shout uh, because Jesus saved your soul uh, and everybody don't understand you. Uh, when are we going to care more about what God thinks about us? Uh, when are we going to care more about what the anointing of God wants to do in our lives? I believe wholeheartedly, and I mean this, please hear me tonight. Young people, please hear me. I kept you in here for a reason. Because it's not going to, a revival's not coming through Facebook. Revival's not coming. I'm going to help you through the next book you read. Revival's not, I, I read, I read a lot. Uh, revival's not coming because we open a Bible college somewhere. Uh, can I help you out? Uh, revival will come uh, when the church says, I need Jesus uh, before anything else. Uh, I don't care what the world says. Uh, I don't care what my family says. Uh, I don't care if they don't understand me. Uh, I need God. I'm going to tell you what I saw, and I, I, I don't, I don't, I'll hurry. I'm trying to hurry. 
So glad to have y'all tonight. I forgot to say that. So glad to see y'all again tonight. I mean, uh, she went hunting and came back with a book. And, uh, and they got married, and I'm proud of them. So mean that. Glad they're here. I love them. Glad they're here in Jesus' name. I believe our foundational principle is our dependence on God. When I talk and think about an apostle's doctrine, can you imagine? They had no books. They had no programs. They didn't even have Facebook. Can you imagine life without Facebook? I mean, you understand, what we read that we call the Bible, they wrote. Does that make sense? Out of the experiences of their life. And they turned their world upside down because they were dependent on Him. I believe our foundational principle is our dependence on God. And our understanding that we do not have all the answers. How's my child going to be saved? God. How's my marriage going to work out? God. How's it going to be, Pastor, with this sickness? God. How's my finances going to turn out, God? Could, we, could it be that we've lost sight, that we're really more dependent on Him? Why do you go to church? Because I need Him. Because any day of my life could be my last. I'm not being ugly, but I could wake up in the morning. Brother Jonathan told me today, he said, Pastor, I don't like it when you say that kind of stuff. Because if you die, dear God, I don't know what I'd do. Can I help you out? You'd need God more than you've ever needed God. I'm not, but I could be the one waking up with a brain bleed. I don't want to. That's not what I... But what I'm saying is, uh, God can change uh, the, the, uh, your situation uh, anytime. Don't think you're high and mighty. Uh, I know some people, they get a little money in the account. They're like, oh, look at me. Uh, bless God, uh, I got it together. Uh, honey, God can cause uh, your money to dissipate uh, and disappear. Uh, and you wonder. Perhaps we should not work so hard to attempt to figure everything out as much as we should figure we need God. Stay with me for just a moment. We're not smart enough to figure everything out. Truthfully, there is some kind of evil that we can't handle. A British chesteron in regard to Hitler, he said, one cannot deal with the darkness through everyday philosophy. We need God. We need God to talk to us. We need God to help us. We need God to guide us. I've been on my face this week saying, God, I want to reach this city. I want to turn this city upside down. As I drive, I said, God, give me this city. As I go through the, the highways and the back roads, I pray, God, come on, bring that house, uh, that family to Calvary. Uh, I don't know how to win them, God, but you do. Uh, I don't know how to turn them upside down, uh, but you do. Uh, I don't have all the answers, God, but I need you and they need you. And somehow we can get together and you can quicken them uh, like you're quickening me. Uh, and we can be saved together. Never before. Has a society been faced with the possibility of one individual having access to the entire world 
of humanity as we do today. We like to think that this is a wonderful tool that we can use called the internet or whatever, but we are not the only ones, and you need to understand this, we're not the only ones shopping the world. The devil's doing some shopping as well. And there are some evils that we really don't know how to handle. We need God. There's some things that's going to come into your life that you're not going to have the answers for. You need God. There's some things that take place that you're not going to understand. You need God. I, I know this sounds crazy and I'll, I'm trying to hurry. The number one problem, I read this this morning, the number one problem facing educators and those entrusted with the safety of society today, this is what they identified, not me, this is just what I read this morning, is child pornography. Yeah. And I got to thinking, you can't solve that problem by snapping a finger or introducing a program. God's going to have to show us the way. Without God, we can do nothing. This has nothing to do, please hear me. It has nothing to do with our ability, but rather the degree to which we will humble ourselves before God. The real question facing us is not whether we have a brilliant education, but whether we have the kind of heart and mind that will cause us to launch ourselves out into the darkness, deal with the problems, and trust God to make a way where there seemingly is no way. Did y'all catch that? Because I know I wrote it under the auspices of the Holy Ghost. I, I'm going to say it again. I want you to catch it. The real problem is where we have the kind of heart and mind that will cause us to launch ourselves out into the darkness, deal with the problems, and trust God to make a way where there seemingly is no way. Anybody tonight facing some problems you don't know how to get out of? Anybody, I mean, my wife's mother's facing cancer or dealing with cancer. And today, of all things, I, 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 my heart bled today when I found this out. Yesterday when I found it out. To this morning, though, I found it out yesterday, this morning they did it. Of all things, they had to do root canal surgery today. She got chemo shots or whatever yesterday and root canal today. Can you imagine? You know, the stroke wasn't enough. The BB in her eye and three cornea transplants was not enough. The, the diabetes was not enough. Arthritis was not enough. I understand cancer was not enough. I'm just being in a root canal today. You're not going to snap your fingers and make it all go away. We're going to have to have God. There, there are some of you, Sister Debbie's text rattled me this morning like, Dear God, you're not just going to, I'm not bragging, okay, but I sincerely prayed for your family. Like, Dear God, you know, there's no, there's no just waving of the wand. We need God. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not being ugly but we need God to reach down and touch uh, and heal uh, and deliver uh, and if the church uh, is not a place where God can do that uh, then we're doing something wrong uh, because this is not just a place uh, where we come and clap uh, this is not just a place uh, where we sing fancy songs uh, this is not just a place uh, where we eat and fellowship uh, this is a place where God uh, is able to change lives uh, this is a place where God is able to make a way uh, where there is no way 
We've got some stuff to deal with, some heavy stuff, if you will. We need God. We like we've never needed Him before. We need a Savior like we've never needed a Savior. We must, if you will. I, 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 I know I've got to hurry, but can I, can I share a couple things with you real quick? We must not lose our vision. We must not forget that God called us out. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm telling you the truth of what I feel in the Holy Ghost. There is a reason it's not you that is laid up in a hospital bed. There is a reason that it is not you that is broke, busted, and disgusted. There's a reason you're not homeless. There's a reason you've got a car. There's a reason you've got a paycheck. There's a reason you've got food. There's a reason you've got a church. There's a reason God saved you. And it wasn't so you could keep getting richer. It was so that you could help and be somebody's answer. I'm not, I'm not trying to offend you. But what I'm saying is God could have saved anybody. He saved you. Not so you could just pat and say, I'm so good. But it's so you can say, hey, I got a vision. God's got something great for my life. And I'm asking this church tonight, do you still understand the vision that God called you out of darkness? I know we like to celebrate God saved me. God saved me. Yeah, but what did he save you to do? So oftentimes, uh, I might tell me, oh, I've been living for God for 30 years. Uh, that's the biggest lie I've ever heard. Uh, you hadn't been living for God. Uh, you've been sitting on a pew and taking up space uh, and living the same year 30 times. Uh, because when's the last time uh, you said, God's got a purpose for me. Uh, God's got a vision for my life. Uh, God's got a destiny for me. With man, not too much is possible. But with God, all things are possible. And I'm asking you tonight, do you still believe in what God brought you out of the world for? Or have you just slid back into a comfortable spot on the pew and satisfied that he saved you? Is there still a vision for your life? You may ask, so... How are we going to walk across this flood, Pastor? We must realize that what we think God will use may not be the means by which the impossible will be made possible. God could have built a bridge over the Red Sea, but he said, no, I'll let you walk. I'll part the waters. I don't know about you, but I've seen bridges. I've never seen the waters part. I'd have loved to have been there that day. Matter of fact, one of my desires of heaven is I want to spend the first few moments of heaven with Jesus, and then I want to ask him one question. I want to replay my life, and, and, and I want him to show me every time where I didn't see him, and he was there where I didn't understand what he was doing and I want my understanding to be opened and then I want him to take me back to where he parted the Red Sea I wanted him to take me back, I'm just being honest where Abraham marched up his only son, his only son Isaac up that mountain and said if God wants it then God can have him I understand, I want him to take me back to men of faith where Daniel was in the lion's den and I want to look at those lion's faces as they lick their lips and God won't let them touch Daniel because I know it sounds crazy huh but do you still believe uh, that God can do impossible things uh, with your life uh, or have you just gotten comfortable with going to church are we just comfortable having church and playing the game or is there still people on the pew tonight uh, that says no I, I can I ask you can I get I, I don't want to offend you but are you doing what God really called you out to do
I saw this morning, and I got to hurry. It's praying for this church. And God showed me this field. It was a threefold vision, I don't mind telling you. God showed me this field that was desolate and barren. And I said, what does this mean, Lord? It says, it's all God said, God said, it means no one planted. So it's barren. Then the next thing, I mean, I have to describe it to you, just how God deals with me. The next thing I saw was, was a plentiful field. Full of, of, of corn, wheat. I mean, tomatoes, cabbage. I mean, just busting out the seams. And I said, God, what is this? Honestly, God, he said, the first field is how I brought them into church. They didn't have anything. They didn't have any, any real field to harvest. They didn't have any blessings or favor on their life because they hadn't been planning blessing or favor. He said, the second field is when they got in the church. I started blessing them because they started planning. They started learning how to plant. They started learning how to get a harvest and how to live for me and how to get close to me. And then immediately it went to a third field and that third field was a half eaten over field. Just, just ugly. And I said, God, what is this? And I look back. I know this sounds crazy. And I look back and they were harvesting that plenteous field. They were living on the blessings of God and all that God had done in their life. But they weren't planning anymore. And so as the season rolled around, they enjoyed last year's crop. But the new season was a lot less. And immediately I was to the barren field again. Because when you don't plant, it doesn't matter how much God blesses you one year. You don't have a crop next year. And I've seen people, oh, pastor, God, I need God to bless me. All right, we're going to pray. God, give them a job. God, give them a home. God, give them a car. God, you bless them. And boy, they'll start, oh, praise God. Look what God's blessed. And they'll eat of all the blessings of God upon their life. But then all of a sudden, it happens to all of us. I know y'all don't like to admit this, but all of a sudden, things that used to be important are not important. All of a sudden, things that used to be priority are not priority. And before you know it, you're living all the blessings. It looks like you've got it all together, but you don't see next year's crop. You don't see next year's failure to plant this year means no crop next year. And before you realize it, you're going, what happened? I don't understand. What took place? And I begin to weep. And I said, God, no. I said, what can I do? He said, tell them to get back to planting. Tell them to get back to doing what I called them to do. They're not called for where they're at. They're called for where I want them to be. There's got to be somebody in this house tonight that says God's made me for more. I'm tired of settling for second best. I don't want just a crop this year. I want a crop next year and the year after that. And the year, I don't want a year of blessing. I want a life of blessing. I don't want to fill up 50 chairs, 100 chairs, and be satisfied. We've got to get back to a vision. Understand that God brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. He could have saved anybody. I'll blow your mind. A man called me this morning, right after that, after I got through the devotion and everything. 
He said, Brother Vickery. I said, yes, sir. He said, I got a question. And before you think it, I'm not joking. This blew my mind. He said, would you consider a third campus if it was legitimate and everything worked out to be okay? I said, sure. I didn't think about it. He goes, you're, you know, it's not, I don't know anything of the details yet. All I know is I'm meeting with a church right now. And the first name that they come up with was, is there any way that Brother Vickery would come? And they just asked me to give you a call to say, would you at least consider it? My wife's about to paint. I hadn't told her this yet. She's about to pass out. <laughs> I know y'all think I'm nuts. But I've learned something about harvesting. See, I lost 42 head of cattle. Not counting the pregnant ones. I'm just talking about head, actual cows. The year before that, I had a bumper crop of cows. I don't mind telling you. I had, I had predominantly had heifers that were born, so I always cut my steers or cut my bulls, get in the steers and fatten them up and sell them. Uh, and, and then I'll or eat them, you know, whatever. And then I'll keep back my heifers. The year before, Brother Andrew, I had caught and kept 38 heifers. That's a bumper crop for me. I don't have thousands of acres. I just got a little ranch. Then Harvey came in and honestly wiped out 42 head. I was left with 12. Something like that, 13, something maybe like that. You learn something about crops. You can't have 38 cows, heifers, babies, with only 12 head of cow. So you know what my, my harvest this year was about 10 babies. Understand? And four of them was bulls and six of them was heifers, so I kept six. Does that make sense? Because you can't reap what's not there. You can't reap what you don't plant. I'm afraid tonight that some of you have really lost why you're here. And see, because when you don't have vision, then you don't invest your life where it needs to be. The Bible simply says that without vision, the people will perish. That's not me. That's just the word of God. It says without, where there is no vision, the people perish. It was years ago. I was walking through a cemetery. And I noticed, got through laying somebody to rest and doing the funeral. And I was just walking back because this person was close to me and I wondered. Anybody ever have somebody die and you wonder what you're going to do? <laughs> this was kind of how this person was to me. Like, oh, what am I going to do now? And I looked up and there was this tree. <laughs> it was the oddest looking tree. Sister Lakin, the bottom of it looked like it was five or six trees. But when you got a little above the ground, they were all twisted together into one big tree. But not only were they twisted, it had turned on its side seemingly and started to grow this way. 
And I know it sounds silly. But as it grew this way, it also grew this way and come up again. And all these trees are grown together and twisted. And I know this sounds silly. But I felt the Spirit of God say, that's a lot. This is what I do right here. This tree didn't grow by itself. It grew like this because of me. And I know this sounds silly, but somewhere that tree just would not give up. You can see scars on that tree. But it said, I'm not going to quit. Branches, literally on one side. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but what I consider, the only thing I can explain it because I've seen it happen to me. I wasn't there to witness it. I'm just saying my, my, just my logic, okay, of, of what I've known. Lightning took one side out. One whole side was like exploded out and burnt with no bark, just, just ugly. Pitiful year, but it refused to give up. So it just adjusted and kept growing. And then somebody, after all of its struggle, I guess one of the landscapers or something come out and on where it made this, you know, it went up and made this little thing here. They cut it off with a chainsaw. Because it was approaching the, the building. After all that, some crazy guy just, uh, and the tree said, I'm not going to give up. And so it literally, all these trunks grow in, twisted all kinds of ways, lightning on this side, thing goes into here, sawed off here, it just says, okay. It starts growing. Gets around the eve of that building. And starts going up. I said, what kind of tree is that? And I, I know it sounds silly, but I felt like the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, that's a tree with a vision. He didn't want to give up. Was it easy? No. What, what, was, it, was it always what he wanted? No. Did he always understand? I mean, you imagine the tree down there. Really, God? Lightning? The other night, my daughter and I, I mean, you've got to imagine, Sierra's my, my, my wrestler, her and Celine. Celine's my, Celine's my termite. She's, she's like a mosquito. She just, dear God. But Sierra's got this problem. Every time we wrestle, she hits her head on the bed. Every time. You know, so you hear, ah, and I'm like, oh, shh, 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 shh. don't hurt me, don't hurt me. You'll be all right. So she said, she said, Daddy, I'm going to put you in a headlock. I said, oh, no, because you always hit your head on the bed. She said, I'm not going to hit my head on the bed. I'm going to hit your head on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> so sure enough, out of the corner of my eye, I see her coming. Well, she's ready for the headlock. She grabs me by the neck, and I'm laying down. She grabs me by the neck and kind of rolls over to kind of hold me down. And when she does, she hits her head on the bed. She goes, boom. She jumps up and says, really, Daddy? <laughs> really, really? You imagine that tree when God let it be struck by lightning? It could have just gave up right then, okay. But this twisted tree, you know what it did for me? 
it reminded me I have a vision for my life. God called me out of darkness on purpose. I was just a little ruddy kid in the South Liberty oil field, and God said, that's the one I want. Now, there's been times along the way the vision didn't take place like I thought it should. <laughs> there's been times where it didn't happen like I thought it should happen. There's been times, to be honest, I felt like I was lightning struck. And, and I wanted to do everything to give up and throw in the towel. But I just adjusted the sail. And that day as I walked out of that cemetery going, God, what am I going to do now? God gave me a twisted tree to remind me, keep the vision. The world may not understand it. Hey, sometimes the church may not even understand it. But God's got a purpose. And I'm asking somebody tonight. He says, you were once like the world, but I called you out. That's what we read. He said, you once walked like they walked and thought like they thought and talked like they talked. He said, but I brought you to my house. I brought you out of the world. So that you wouldn't live like you did in times past. Do you still have that vision? I know you're probably a little twisted. <laughs> if you've been in this any long time. You, you probably thought, dear God. Anybody ever been, I've been twisted before. I just, I walk around twisting. Oh, dear God, what in the world? Dear Lord, just twist it all up. Just don't understand what God's doing. Don't understand what some of you are doing. Don't understand what I'm doing half the time. Dear God, what in the world? Twisted. And this little tree twisted up, broken, sawed off, reminded me that day in that cemetery when I thought, what am I going to do now? There's a vision for your life. It brought me back to that front row where my pastor said, don't come to this church again without a suit on. Adults were telling me I wouldn't put up with that. Other people said if your mom and dad was here, they wouldn't put up with that. Other people said I wouldn't ever come back if he did me like that. Other young people said, no, that's why I don't ever sit on the front. Dear God, you're stupid. Don't ever sit that close I said, God, you got a vision for my life. And nothing's worth losing, I didn't say my vision, but losing the vision that God has for your life. People may not understand it. They may not agree with it. But I'm talking to somebody in this house tonight that God brought you out. And it was to do more than what you're doing. It wasn't so that you could be where you're at right now. God has a vision. And I'm asking you sincerely, and I'm closing. Do you still have the vision that God has for your life? Or are you just satisfied with a good crop for one year? Do you still believe that God picked you and brought you out for such a time as this.
Or are you just satisfied with coming to church? I'm asking young people, married couples, singles, older people, and even older people. Do you still have a vision for what God brought you out of the world for? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm ready to see God do some things in this church. I'm ready to see God move in ways that we've only talked about. The other night we had a lady that couldn't eat cornbread. God reached down and touched her and she's been eating cornbread all week. Because that's the God I serve. Had a guy last night, I said, you got the Holy Ghost? He said, I don't know. I said, when you leave here, you'll know. Guess what? You probably saw it on Facebook. He took a picture of the certificate, posted it on Facebook, said, now I know. Because before service was over last night, he was speaking in tongues, sounded like a Chinese laundromat, couldn't stop. I asked him the first time, I said, you got the Holy Ghost now? He couldn't even speak English. He came up to me, he said, I know I got it now. Because that's the kind of God. And that's the kind of stuff God wants to do. Does that make sense? I'm not being ugly, but do you still have a vision? Or have you gotten lullabied in the cradle of hell to just be satisfied with a good crop one year? I've seen it happen. People get one good crop and it's like, oh, that was great. And it's over. They have one good year. That's it. One good moment. Do you still have vision for your life? Not just your vision. I'm not talking about you. If I was living my vision right now, I'd have never got married. I'd be driving a convertible. I'd just have girlfriends. Because when you have girlfriends, they can't take half your stuff when you want to leave them. That's my vision. He asked my mama, 14 years old, that's what I told her, that's my life dream. <laughs> but that wasn't God's vision. And I'll never forget where I traded my vision for his vision. Oh, God. I can't forget the night where my vision died to get his. Come here, Sydney. When I look at this girl, his vision is so much better than mine. See, single men don't get this. Understand what I'm saying? His vision's better than yours. Because my vision died. I didn't do what I wanted to do, but I did what God wanted me to do. I'm so much better now. Proud of that girl right there. At some point, if you're ever going to do the will of God, Jesus said, except a kernel of grain fall to the ground and die. It don't produce anything. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it will produce much fruit.
at some point, you've got to decide, do you want your vision or do you want to do what God called you out of the world to do? He said, you lived like that in times past, but I brought you out of that. You thought like that in times past. You acted like that. We all did. That's what Paul said. He said, we all did. But I brought you out of that. And maybe a twisted tree could give you your vision back for what God has for your life. Maybe tonight there's somebody that would be honest enough, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody tonight. But you'd be honest enough to say, you know, I've lost God's vision for my life. Somehow I've got distracted and preoccupied and started building my kingdom again. And I've forgotten about his. I got in this thing to save souls and hadn't saved one yet. I got in this thing to help build the church. and Now I'm just part of the church. I got in this thing to do something for God. And now I'm barely doing something for myself. I've lost my vision, Pastor. We all go through those times where we wonder, what am I going to do now? And God gave me a twisted tree that said, hold on. Don't lose vision. I have a vision for this church. A vision for what God wants to do in this city. Do you still have your vision for your life that God gave you? Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. I wonder if you'd just talk to God for just a moment. Nobody really worried about anybody else. I'm asking you sincerely as you talk to God, have you lost God's vision for your life? Have you become satisfied with less than what God called you to do? I shouted the other night when God touched that lady because that's the vision that I have for this church. People come in sick, but they walk out healed. People come in bound but they walk out delivered. What about you? Are you doing what God called you to do? Or have you lost the vision? Maybe a lightning strike hit you out of nowhere. Maybe somebody came and cut you off when you didn't understand why they would do that. Did you redirect and keep growing? Or did you let it stalemate you? And just become satisfied with where you're at. I want to give you a chance tonight to talk to God. Right where you're at.
You can move, you can shift, you can go to the altar, you can stand, you can kneel, you can lift your hands, whatever you want to do. But I'm going to ask you tonight not to walk out of this house without a grip on God's vision for your life. Maybe a twisted tree can do for you what it done for me. Maybe a twisted tree can give you the vision. Because you know, you can try to hide it, but you know God handpicked you and brought you to this church. Do you still have that vision? You know you should be dead tonight or in prison or bankrupt. But God reached down. And saved you. Do you still have that vision. Of what he saved you for. I'm asking you tonight. To not worry about anybody else. But talk to God sincerely and say, God, I don't want to lose my vision again. I don't want to lose sight of what you brought me out of the world for. I don't want to look backwards, God. I want to go forward. I may not have grew like I thought I was going to grow, but I'm not going to give up. I may not be tall and straight. I may be short and twisted, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep getting what God wants me to have. I'm going to get God's vision back in my life, and I'm not going to let it go. I don't want just a good year. God, I want to turn my life to where I plant and I crop. I plant and I reap. I plant and I reap. I plant and I reap. I don't want just one good year. I want to do what God's called me to do. I don't want to lose the vision God has for my life. I don't want to be the same in the church that I was out of the church. Oh, God. You brought me out of that. Not to live the same old life and think the same old way and act the same old way and do it my way again and again. You brought me out to do it your way, God. Help me to get that vision. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this episode from Calvary Tabernacle Podcast. We are so thankful that you've come to be a part. If you'd like more information about our church and our locations of our two campuses, go to ctministries.org, like us on Facebook, and definitely hit subscribe for future episodes. I know you won't regret it. I hope you keep the faith today. Don't give up. Hold on to God's vision for your life. I'm Andrew Emerson, your host. I'll see you next time.